Hi everyone and welcome to Market Week in Review for the week of December 9th, 2022. My name is Bei Lin and today I have the pleasure of being joined by our Chief Investment Strategist, Eric Ristabin. Eric, so good to see you again. Good to see you. We were just together a couple days ago. <laughs> exactly, but now you look like you're somewhere nice and warm getting ready for the holidays. There we are. We are indeed. Thank you. Speaking of places that are nice and warm, I was thinking maybe we could talk a little bit about Australia, where the Reserve Bank of Australia recently held its monetary policy meeting, as well as a little bit about Bank of Canada, a place that's not necessarily so warm, but also they held their policy meeting as well. So maybe you could provide an update on those two central banks for our audience. Yeah, so uh, both of them raise rates, uh, the RBA by a quarter point, the Bank of Canada by full half point. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it's interesting that they both came out with the news uh, at basically the same time, or at least in the same week. And because uh, they're both dealing with very similar issues, right? Uh, inflation is an issue, uh, as it is for, for the world. Uh, and they're certainly fighting that. But both of those countries have pretty heavily exposure to their housing market. If you look at kind of classic affordability measures for Canadian housing and Australian housing, um, they're, they're on the higher end. Uh, I think there's probably, you know, Americans that think our housing prices have got out of control, but on a relative basis, we, we still look actually relatively cheap to them. And that matters, right? And plus the structure of their mortgage markets is such that they're a little bit more sensitive. Well, they're maybe more than a little bit more sensitive than the U.S. to rate uh, increases because a lot of their mortgages reset on a much more frequent basis. And so it's a fine line, right? They want to kill inflation, but they also don't want to raise rates so much um, that they actually cause real pain and, and, and potentially real damage to the housing markets in their country. So I think they're walking a fine line. The, the net net of it is, is that Australia probably has room to run there. And I think 3.1 on the policy rate. Canada is at 4.25. I think you, you said it nicely a little earlier. Uh, they've kind of front loaded their, their tightening cycle. They did a full half point this time. We think they're probably going to pause. I think it's safe to say that all eyes are now turning to the Federal Reserve uh, and, you know, looking for Mr. Powell and friends uh, to slay the inflationary uh, dragon uh, for the U.S. and, and hopefully by extension really um, provide a lot more relief for the rest of the world. And speaking of the U.S., of course, there's an FOMC meeting next week. Chair Powell will be looking at a wide variety of data points. I'm sure, as you can probably imagine, one of the key data points that he's looking out for is the state of the labor market. So we had a non-farm payroll support last week. What can you tell us about that and what the likely implications of that report would be? Yeah. So in the world that we live in, where good news is bad news, bad news is good news, uh, uh, you know, what, what looks on the surface to be really good news that 263,000 jobs were created in the United States was not so well received by the market. In fact, the, the S&P 500 on Thursday, uh, you know, we're, we're filming this basically at the close on Thursday. I think they're going to snap the, the four day losing streak that they've had subsequent to that uh, non-farm payroll number. Because, again, the idea is the the in order for the Fed to really be confident that they, you know, kind of killed inflation, they really have to reset the demand, supply and demand dynamic within the labor market, uh, which means at the very least, um, they're looking for fewer job openings. And yes, we're seeing fewer job openings now at kind of 10 million ish versus the 11 million we used to have. 
but 10 million is a lot of jobs. That's too many to really say that you, you, you kind of loosened up the job market. Um, and 263,000 jobs this late into an economic cycle with so many jobs already been created and basically with the, the U.S. economy at full employment, at kind of unemployment at 3.7, and it's been a kind of a three and a half to 3.7 band for, for many months at this point. That is, you know, it's clear we're at full employment. But the challenge is that's as we've talked about a lot, and, and we're like broken records here because this is what is what the Fed's keying on, is that's providing a lot of wage, upward wage pressure and wage inflation. Um, you know, we, we saw earlier today that the Atlanta Fed, you know, and it released their wage tracker for the latest month. The good news. Uh, and this is, you know, good, bad news, good news. The the, the wages uh, didn't grow as fast as they had in the prior months. It's from 6.7 now to 6.5. But 6.5 is a, is a far sight short of the 2% target that the Fed has in terms of inflation. So I, I think really it's not just um, the four-day losing streak of the S&P 500. If you look at softness in the other two markets, the, the ASX 200, the TSX, both were soft this week in the last five trading days. Um, Europe's and the S stock 600 has been soft in the last you know uh, five trading days. I, I think a lot of that can be laid at the feet of that non-farm payroll number um, being stronger than the market probably would have liked. Um, and, and that then begins to build the expectation that maybe the Fed is going to have to go you know further even. Not, I mean, they're not pricing it in yet, but they're beginning to worry. They're going to have to go even further than they're already expecting to do of going to taking that short term overnight rate to 5% or just a touch shy of 5%. We're at, you know, 375, three and three quarters and between three and three quarters and four right now. We expect half a point next week. So that gets you to four and a half. Um, so, you know, all things being equal, uh, we'd really like to see some data cooperate so the Fed can, you know, really slow and then potentially pause uh, the, rate, the, rate, the rate hikes because they've come very far very fast from zero at the beginning of 2022 to probably between four and a quarter and four and a half by the end of 2022. We haven't seen that since the early 80s. And, and you know, we've been sharing with people. Unfortunately, when we saw it last, uh, uh, there was a resulting recession. And, and it really is that pressure, that wage pressure, and then the corresponding response that, that now has us believing our, go to, our global market outlook came out this week. Uh, so plug for that. It's on the website. Uh, you know, so feel free to look it up, download it. Uh, but that's really kind of what's led us to, to come to the conclusion that a recession next year is more likely than not. Um, and, and, a, and we really want to see some, some significant improvement in wage pressure and some other inflationary numbers too, but the wages are the big one. Definitely a lot to think about. And while 2022 has certainly been a difficult year, hopefully 2023 can be the year that we go from dusk to dawn. Eric, thank you so much for stopping by today. Really appreciate your insight as always. And to our viewers, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.